Um, how this is going to work is I'm going to, because we, we only have 55 minutes here, and I want to honor your time, especially those of you guys with kids, because uh, uh, the child care workers are serving with our kids, um, is I'm going to just teach a little bit, um, hopefully about 25 25 minutes. Usually when a pastor says 25 minutes, it'll be 40 minutes. And so we're going to teach a little bit through uh, what the Bible says about the topic. And then I want to open up the Q&A for you guys. And so I understand we have a diverse crowd, uh, people um, from uh, different sides of what, what is homosexuality and, and how people engage this particular topic. And so uh, I want to be sensitive to that. And so when you guys ask your questions in, I'll, all I ask is that, that we um, ask mature questions. Um, and meaning, don't, don't worry about the question you ask, but let, let's not take this moment to, to try to stab at um, a, another party, another side. If you legitimately have questions, um, I, I want to hear your questions, but, but by no means to, uh, to make fun of or to jab. And we have people in this room that are, that are Christian um, and do not struggle with their sexual orientation. And there are people here who are Christian who do struggle with their sexual orientation. And there are people here uh, that, that are not Christian. And, um, you know, whether they struggle with their sexual orientation or not, and I want to be fair and I want to be uh, open to, uh, to you guys being here. And personally, for those of you guys who are not Christian, I, I'm glad that you would come and I'm glad that you would hear us talk on this topic. And this is a topic that as, as evangelical Christians that, that um, we don't talk about a lot. And then when we have, at least historically in the, in the, in the recent history, it hasn't always been good. Um, and so hopefully tonight uh, you'll get an understanding of what the Bible says and then um, watch me try to answer questions that uh, <laughs> they're really easy, you know. So if you see me sweating up here, it's not because I'm nervous. It's just because the light's really hot. So, <laughs> so anyways, uh, would you guys bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good God and you are a gracious God. And I thank you that you did not leave us without witness. God, you left us your spirit, even though your son Jesus came, lived, died, was raised and ascended. You, you sent your spirit to be a witness, to testify to the greatness of your glory. God, you've given us your word. And Lord, we, we understand that our relationship with you, Lord, at many times could be hard because the things that you say, Lord, are not always consistent um, with the culture around us. They're not always consistent with, with our minds, with our thoughts, with our hearts, with our desires and our affections. And so Lord, I pray that you would Give us an opportunity tonight to submit ourselves, Lord, or, or at least just to be open to hearing uh, about this topic. God, I pray for those who are in this room who are curious, um, those who, are, who have been hurt, uh, those who have been wrong, and, and for most of us that you would help us um, understand your word and how to disciple people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and later, later we'll have time for Q&A, as I said, and so you'll be able to text this to this number, uh, text Sundevil, and um, followed by your questions to that number so you guys can be in uh, taking questions, or sending questions in, and the questions will pop up on the screen, and we'll answer them. Um, so let me, let me start with this before I open the Bible. Is, uh, first is, how did we get here? And so the question is asked is, okay, how did you guys, wh why did you pick the topic of homosexuality, and, and why am I doing it? Um, First, I, I, I get here relationally. Um, some of you guys who, who go to our church, you guys know that I've shared before that I have an older brother who is openly uh, uh, homosexual and, and, and is a gay person and is, is, is involved in the gay community. And this was something for me, um, growing up with my brother, it was something that I, 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 I figured, you know, I, never, I figured that he might be gay. It wasn't a surprise to me when he told our family that he was gay. However, my response to it initially was, was not one of grace, uh, not one of favor and not one of excitement. 
um, and mainly because it didn't have anything to do with him, but had everything to do with me. Uh, when my brother, um, so to say, came out and professed that he was openly gay, um, I was, a, I think, a sophomore or a freshman in college at ASU, and I was playing football, and for a football person to have a gay brother, that was like a no-no. And so, um, sadly, I, I would be embarrassed when he would come to our, our games, and afterwards, I'd have to, um, I'd have to. That was just my heart at the time, but I, I'd, I'd want my friends not to see my brother. Um, whenever my brother was mentioned, I'd, I'd want to talk around it or, or talk about something else because of his preference of lifestyle and um, what, what he decided, the way he decided to live, and, and it was hard. Um, part of it was hard because my brother and I, we never got along. We never got along from the day that, um, as far as I can remember, probably from the day I was born. Um, and uh, for, for obvious reasons, I mean, not, excuse me, not obvious reasons, for all sorts of reasons. Um, um, I was better looking than he was. He couldn't deal with that. And, uh, in all honesty, growing up, growing up he, was, he was a lot better looking than me, but, uh, but um, faster than me, stronger than me, um, all of those things. But um, I was taller than he was. Uh, when, we, when, we, when we got into high school, um, people would use language, and I'm going to use some language, and so I'm sorry for you guys with, with, with your children here, but people would call him fag and you know, call him gay and, and use terms like that, and it would make me upset, and, and, um, and I was kind of caught in tension. I wanted to defend my brother because I, don't, I, I didn't like that language. And at the same time, um, you know, I, I found myself participating by not saying anything or by not doing anything. And so when I became a Christian, one of my relationships that I really wanted to work on was my relationship with my brother. And it was extremely hard. And, and so just, and just think about this. And so here is a football player um, who's now a Christian. So every stereotype that you have um, about an evangelical Christian and a jock and their, their response towards homosexuality, it, it just didn't, it didn't float well. And, um, and uh, I think it came to a head the, a couple of days before my wedding. My brother was going to be a best man in my wedding, and um, we were going to sing a song, Amazing Grace, which is a song that we sing here. It's a beautiful song that tells the story of redemption. And my brother is a phenomenal singer and a phenomenal dancer and does a lot of theater and uh, musicals and whatnot in, in Los Angeles. And, uh, and he wanted to sing the song, but I didn't want him to sing it. And the reason why I didn't want him to sing it was uh, it had everything to do with, with you know, the, word, the song meant so much to me. And, and I, I, I just said, you know, if you could articulate and tell me what grace was, I'd love for you to sing it. And, um, and he took it as an offense and, and on his sexuality. And it had nothing to do with the sexuality, but it was the first time um, that we had an open conversation about what it meant for him to be gay. I'd never talked about it. I talked around it. My family talked around it. No one asked questions. And uh, since then, we've been able to have great, great dialogue about it. In fact, I talked to him last night, and I, and I, and I said, hey, tomorrow night I'm, I'm doing this thing where I'm going to be talking about homosexuality at my church. And he, he laughed. <laughs> and he goes, why would you do something stupid like that? <laughs> and I said, oh, uh, uh, anyways, can I ask some questions? And, uh, so I get, I get here through that relationally. And, um, and then on, on another side, I get here as a pastor. And uh, over the last probably four or five years since I've been in ministry, for whatever reason, I felt like God has been bringing me Christians within um, my context of ministry, whether it was teenagers when I was a student pastor, or whether it be here at this church for, or been at this congregation for the past year, of who struggle with it. And, and, and most times, I'm the first person that they've ever told, for whatever reason, hey, let's get together. Right. To me, I have no idea. And then it comes out um, that they struggle with their sexual orientation. Um, and, and it's drove me to the scripture. It's drove me to, to, uh, to articles and to books. I've asked tons and tons of questions. And so for the past five, six years, this is something that I would say is 
pretty personal to me, and it's something I care, I care deeply about. And what I've learned, um, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, is, is, um, this is this is something as Christians I think we're missing out on, meaning missing out on what, what's happening, and not so much what's happening in the, in the homosexual community, but how they feel, how they think, um, how they're treated, their, their, their perceptions of, of us as Christians and what we give off and our language and our dialect. And, uh, and, and um, I've, I've been softened um, in the sense of how to relate and how things to say, things not to say. I always feel like I'm offending somebody. Um, and, and yet it's been, it's been beneficial because I want to be able to disciple. And so over, overall, the, my goal tonight is, is mainly to speak on this issue in the, in the, in the form of discipleship. And, and how do we take the gospel and apply it to every area of life? Because one thing we say here every week is that we believe that the gospel, um, when applied to every area of life, does change things. Um, and, and not just change people, but it changes the way that we, we can, can relate to, to different people. Um, and the last, the last area that I get here is not just relational and personally, but theologically. I do believe the Bible speaks a great deal about this issue, and I do believe it's an issue that needs to be talked about. It's a topic, I should say an issue, a topic that needs to be talked about. Um, we're not trying to elevate this topic over any other, th- we're not going to have First Wednesdays next week on, or next month on greed or any other thing. It's just this, this one, for whatever reason, is, is, uh, is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a hot topic, and now it's a political voting year, and so it's coming up, and I'm sure you guys saw uh, Kurt Cameron and... and uh, and I forgot the girl he was with. It was a great, it was a great, uh, great deal, and people made fun of him and ripped him, and, and I hope that you guys don't do that to me. So um, if, you're tw- if you're tweeting right now, uh, don't tweet anything that I say. Um, if you're Facebooking right now, just take a picture of everybody else and say, wow, the food was good at First Wednesdays tonight. That, and that's, that, that could be about it, all right? <laughs> let's, let's look at first what the Bible says. I want to start first with a familiar passage for those of you guys who have been around church in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to start with the beginning of the story when God creates. So Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 um, are, are, is, is two accounts, same account, two stories of the same account of God creating. And so in the beginning we have God. God's speaking. Um, God's creating things. He's creating animals. He's creating the water. He's separating the water from the land. And then we pick up in Genesis chapter 2 um, in verse 18, and it says, And then the Lord God said, um, oh, sorry, I'm going to back up. Genesis, 15, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that it was, it was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he was asleep, he took one of his ribs and closed it in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man, and then he said, and here's the first song um, in the Bible. It's a worship song, ultimately, um, about a woman to God. And this is Adam who sings to his, his wife, and he says, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, for she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. At this context, this is romantic. If we said this now about our spouses, it'd be weird, right? <laughs> 
Verse 24 says, therefore, a man shall leave his father. This is important. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, or if you're from the hood, naked, and, then, um, <laughs> and they, were not, they were not ashamed. And so the picture that we have here is that, um, that, that God creates, and then when he creates animals, he creates the trees. There was only one tree that they could not eat from. And if they ate from that, that justice would be executed and they would surely die. So God creates man, he creates woman, and they're complementary in their roles. They're beautiful, and they are to come together as equals and to, to be one together. That's what God created. That was his intention. That was the flow of society. That's the way that um, society would flourish in God's original design. And so that's what we have. God created. And so what we see from the very beginning of the story is that God did create man and God did create woman, and he created man to be an intimate, uh, commu- uh, excuse me, committed relationship. That's emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially one. Um, there was a worship vertically was perfect. Their worship with God was there. They walked in the cool of the day with God. They knew God. They were unashamed before God, hence they were naked, and they were unashamed before one, an- one another, hence they were naked. So you had man and woman, vertical relationship with God, perfect horizontal relationship with one another, perfect relationship to creation, perfect. Creation in itself was a gift by God in which they would use creation, eat the fruit, work, and in doing so, as they enjoyed its fruit, they would give worship to God. So creation in itself was something God has given us to give worship. That's what we see here in the relationship. Now, as the story progresses, um, when it comes to what went wrong, in Genesis chapter 3, what happens is after God lays down the ultimate true story of the world, his original design, a serpent comes in. And when the serpent comes in, he begins to talk about another story. And he, and he puts doubt into the woman and Eve. And, and, and did God really say these things? Essentially saying, is God really good? Does God really have the best for you? And not only the best for you, but for your husband and for the world. Is what he said true? Is his way the only way, or is there another way? And so um, Eve, and uh, her own choice, chose to eat the fruit, and she gave some to her husband who was standing right next to her, and he chose to eat the fruit, and that's where we see where the story went foul. Because now sin, evil, decay, fractured uh, of society and culture entered in for the first time. God graciously uh, provides for them, though there's a curse. He lets them know people will die now. Um, he does promises in Genesis 3.15 that there will be hope. But for now, men and women now have, have severed their relationship ultimately to God. And so now you and I, as a result of that, every single person in here are by nature and by choice what we would call sinful. By, by nature, by choice, we would say biblically the, the, the language is depraved. Doesn't mean we're not good people. Doesn't mean that we, 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 don't, we don't dress nice. We can't be good parents. Doesn't mean that we're all going to grow up and, and, and rob people. Doesn't mean that. It just means that our proclivity will be to go every which dire- direction other than to connect to God. The only hope that we would have is that God himself would come and restore what was broken. And I, I want to be clear here. Sin affected everything. Our decision our mind, our intellect, our desires, biologically, it affects everything. It didn't ruin it, it didn't destroy it, but it did affect it. And so the only hope that we have um, throughout the rest of the Bible shows that man himself, women themselves cannot fix, but our natural tendency is to rebel against God. Well, the Apostle Paul picks up in the same theme in Romans chapter one. Um, No need to have your Bibles, it should 
should come up on the screen there. There we go. Um, Romans chapter 1, beginning here in verse 23. It says, And um, they exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so what you have here is that there's an exchange going on. And it's talking about the condition of all people. Not just homosexuals, not just heterosexuals, but all people. And there's a sense that something's happened here. We exchange the glory of God for other things. Um, creeping things, things in, in, cre- in creation. Creation now became something that we worship. And ultimately, at the end of that, we begin to be gods ourselves. When I say gods ourselves, little g's, we now be able to, we're able to, to say what we want to do. I said little g's. Some of you guys think that's a hood term. <laughs> you guys, I always knew people in Tempe are so ghetto, all right? <laughs> ghetto hipsters. All right. So you're, What we have here in verse 24, it says, Therefore, now since we've had an exchange, therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So here, the issue here is not about our externals. The issue here is not about our behavior. The primary issue here is a worship issue. The issue that everyone has, whether it shows itself in homosexuality, whether it shows itself in being a liar, whether it shows itself in lust of your own hearts, greed, the issue is it's a wor- we have a worship disorder, every single one of us, that we naturally would rather worship ourselves and the things around us than to worship God. And so the worst thing that God can do is let us be who we would naturally be apart from him. That's it. The worst thing that God can do is, is let us grow up let us think, let us make decisions, um, let, let us um, vote, let us raise families apart from the understanding of who he is and a relationship with him in the work and through the work of Jesus. Continues in verse 26, it says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations for with women and were consumed with passion for one another men committing in themselves shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. This, this speaks of the issue of homosexuality. That, that the, the homosexuality in itself, I just want to be clear, in God's design, it's sin. And, and I want to let you know it's sin, not because some of you may say, oh, because it's gross or because it's disgusting, it's sin because it's not a part of God's created order. It's sin because like any other thing that we do um, that's against and rebelling against God's way, it's not the way that God's original design was set for it to be. And so I just want to be clear with that. It's not because we can look at things like, oh, it's just, it's, it's just so wrong in that way. No, no, no. It's because God has a way and God's way is the way that the world is supposed to go. That's why the Bible calls whatever we do, apart from placing our identity and our value on God and God alone, it, it, it's sin. It's idolatry is what it ultimately, ultimately is. Now, it will show itself in different forms. Let me continue. Um, and since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to the debased mind to do what, they, what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. I've always loved this one. Disobedient to their parents. As a student pastor, it was awesome. Like, listen, God doesn't like you. And so, <laughs> just a joke. Disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, 
Though they, knew, they know God's righteous decree and those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So what Paul does here is he just doesn't say single out, which is what happens normally in this. He doesn't single out and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens is if, if you don't see God, then what's going to happen is you will exchange natural relations if you're a woman to go with a woman or a man with a man. And that's what Paul's talking about. Paul is trying to cover sin. He, I mean, literally, he goes all the way down to you didn't make your bed. Like, he's trying to make it sure, like, clear here. It, this, this is sin. And the ultimate is we, we rebel against God. Now, the reason why this is hard, even for Christians, is God is being just. And we don't like it when God is just. Naturally, we don't like it. As a culture, especially demographically, our age here at this church and in this room, we love when we want to fight injustice in this world. We want to see justice happen all day, every day. And yet, when we see in the Bible and God goes, okay, here's the deal. Um, if there's just one sin, I have to execute justice. Um, I will bring wrath. I, 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 told, I told your father Adam and your father Eve, your mother Eve, um, <laughs> not tonight, not tonight. <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> I wish you guys were just mature. I told your mother Eve and your father Adam, um, if, if that happened, this is what the world would do. So all, all God is doing is saying, um, I'm going I'm to execute justice, the very thing that in our culture that, that you want. And yet, when it comes to us, every single one of us, that, that's not what we, we don't want God to do that. We don't want God to flex, and yet that's what he has to do. The, 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 this, this is what we, when we communicate the fall, there is a fracture um, in, in the system. In society, in this world, we're all broken. It, it shows itself in different ways. Paul, Paul continues in talking about um, homosexuality and other sins, and probably one of my favorite passages in Scripture, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. First, these, are, these are three incredible verses. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, essentially will not go to heaven? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is saying, listen, you will not go to heaven. Now, let me be clear. We are a Bible-teaching church, and we are a gospel-centered church. And some people would say, isn't that the same thing? And I'd say, it, no. Because there are really good Bible teaching churches that will stop there. And they will say, don't you see? Homosexuals aren't going to heaven. Don't you see? Homosexuals aren't going to heaven. They won't mention the other sins here. This, this, is, this is proof that you can't change. God doesn't care. God, yeah, yeah. You, because of your sinful heart and the way that you express yourself and somehow homosexuality is elevated and, and that even the apostle Paul says, he says it twice, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I just want you to know. And yet, um, that would be teaching the Bible. But when we say that we're a gospel-centered church, we want to be honest about sin. But we want to be, be clear about the Savior. Paul finishes and he says about these sins, not just homosexuality. In verse 11, he says, and such were some of you. Those are some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. Because everything that I've been talking about up to this point, it's us. No matter what your sexual orientation is. 
And the gospel lets us know in this particular church in Corinth that there were homosexuals, there were men who practiced homosexuality, there were people who were liars and swindlers, and, and yet they were, they, they were washed, they were sanctified. It says you were justified in the name of the, Jesus, by the, name of the Lord Jesus um, by the Spirit of our God. Well, the gospel speaks to this issue. It has to. Because this is not a new issue. This wasn't something that was cultural. This, this was written thousands of years ago, right? And, and, and yet, Paul says, yes, yet, yet, yet we're some of you. Meaning there, there, there's something that the gospel speaks. If we just stop, which happens so much, with, with saying these are the type of people that don't get in heaven, the same type of people that don't go to heaven are the same type of people that, that go to heaven. The Bible is very clear. The same type of people that go to hell are the same type of people um, that people are thinking going to heaven. At, at this, the gospel has nothing to do with your behavior. It has everything to do with Jesus. And so when men who practice homosexuality, Paul does not say, you're out. You're out. They're, sorry. What he, what he does and what we should do is say, but wait, let me introduce you to Jesus. That I, I probably, I can't do anything for you, but I can tell you who can't. And it, not just that sin, but any sin that Paul says, such were some of you. And so that, that, that's what we see through, through the story. God created it. God created sex. He created beautifully. And since he's the creator of it, he, he gave us the, uh, the, um, the manual on how it to be, is it to be enjoyed. And it is between a man and a woman in a committed relationship called marriage. Um, we do see that, that sin now scars that, it breaks it. And so now we have sexual morality and we have uh, men and women who struggle with their, their, excuse me, their sexual orientation. We, we have people who, who um, struggle with, with, with uh, attractions of same sex and, and not just same sex, but people who struggle with, with wanting to be with multiple partners of, of opposite sex. We, we, it's broken. And yet the gospel lets us know that not, not just does Jesus fix it. We see, we don't need Jesus to give us more chances. We don't need Jesus to give us a chance. We need Jesus to give us a new life. The, the, the gospel is not about Jesus giving us more chances to get it right. That's what the whole Bible is about. He continued to give chances and chances and chances, and yet we couldn't get it right. And so Jesus comes to give us a brand new life. And with that, um, I'm now talking to you Christians. With that, when it comes to now our engagement and our love towards the homosexual community, or any community for that, there, there, there's a few things, I think, in light of the gospel that I, that I think could help us. And I'm going to share those few things here and then open it up to Q&A um, in just a second. First, and, and this, this came from me meeting with several, several people in this room and, and several friends of mine that are, that, are, that are openly gay and not Christian and, and those who are Christian who struggle with their sexual orientation and a lot of research. And um, when I talked to my brother last night, I said, hey, I know that you think what I'm going to do tomorrow night is stupid, but... Um, one, one thing, if you, if you had this tell for me to say to my Christian friends, what, what would it be? And the thing he said is, uh, love and just don't judge. He goes, just, if, if your Bible says to love, just love and don't judge. I, we know you know it's, we, you think it's wrong. It is not a news flash, he goes to me, that Christians think it's wrong. In fact, it's the only thing that I've heard. Um, and then he began to speak personally and, and, and how he remembered certain sermons that I couldn't remember growing up um, of what our, our pastor said. And he goes, and here I was as a seven-year-old boy thinking, I, I like boys. Um, what does that mean about me? And, I, and, and forever, he goes, I just, I have not experienced overwhelming love. And, and he goes, and just judging. He goes, I know you're wrong, but don't judge me. Ask me questions. Um, another thing is uh, homosexuality, um, and some people can disagree with this, but I, homosexuality is not a choice. 
Um, and I, th- I think, I, think I, w- I want to be that clear. Like, to have same-sex attractions is not a choice. To act upon those same-sex attractions, now that, that's a choice. You, you can choose to do that or not do that. In the same way that a heterosexual man or woman here has a desire to be with the, with the opposite sex, they have a choice to act upon that. Now, the reason why I say that is um, so often we, we just, ah, oh, that's a choice, that's a choice. Another thing that some friends of mine and my brother said is, why would we ever choose this? If there's one thing I've learned in, um, over the past six years, especially over the past three months really digging in this, is... Um, Uh, being, um, being homosexual is, for those of us who are not, it's a, it's a dark place. And not dark as they're so sinful that people don't get them. And most of us in this, in this room, at some degree, we know what it's like to be alone. But from, from my experience and from being able to communicate with people, it's very, very dark. And there's not a, there's not a lot of affirming um, from those who are not, who are not gay. Um, and and um, so they would say, why would I ever choose this? Why would I choose for my family not to get me? Why would I choose to hide it? Why would I choose to be ridiculed? Why would I choose to be get crap written all over my locker? Why would, I, why would I choose to, from Christians now, to be in RC where everyone makes gay jokes and kind of laugh it off, even though I know that that's, that's, that's what I struggle with? Um, this wouldn't be a choice. The, another thing is that um, homosexuality is not only about sex. I think one of the misconceptions is, is that we just think it's just this um, super promiscuous uh, uh, lifestyle, and, and it's not. I mean, obviously there's sexual activities, but that's not the main reason. In fact, most of the men and women that I've talked to, what they're looking for is affirmation. They, they, I mean, honestly, affirmation. Uh, some of them have said they would actually give up the physical just, just to be affirmed um, at anything. And it was alarming to me at how many, you know, if I talked to 15, 20 people, how many people at some point in their life had been either molested or not affirmed or um, whatever their upbringing may be, uh, it, it, it was different. It was hard. And, um, and they, they're looking for that. And so that, that's important. And, and this is one that I would have for, um, for both Christian and non-Christian, for all of us here, is, is a heterosexual marriage doesn't correct the desires. Like, just because someone gets married doesn't mean that it corrects the desires. In fact, I talked to one guy, and he told his parents, hey, you know, this is something, I, he's a Christian, raised in a Christian home. Uh, I'm struggling with homosexuality, or with um, same-sex attractions. And his dad, who had raised him Christian to, to be pure and to be a virgin, was like, well, how do you know? You need to go have sex with a woman, as if somehow that was going to cure it. And that, that, doesn't, that doesn't cure it. You know, our, our, our problems um, in our life, any sin is not cured by behavior modification. Um, again, um, it's something that has to be spoken into through the, and by the gospel. Um, people don't necessarily just want to be fixed. Sometimes they just want to be talked to. They don't, um, they don't want to be uh, saved. Um, and I know that that's what we want to do as Christians. We want to introduce them to Jesus. But sometimes it's, it's just okay just to, just to know them and just to become friends with them and to talk more than about just homosexual issues. Don't, don't use somebody for a relationship to learn more about it. Be, become a friend with somebody. Um, and then parents, I want to say this, affirm your kids. Affirm your kids. Those of you guys who will be parents, affirm your kids. We, we do a disservice, especially to our young men, um, when, when, when a young man uh, wants to be a little bit more artistic and um, maybe expresses things that in our culture we would say are not masculine. We need to be very, very careful with that. Um, right now, my son, uh, my son likes to play, uh, um, like, does tea parties. 
Am I okay with that? No, but um, it's one of those things where uh, Garth has a girl and Justin has a girl and everyone and our, our friends all have girls. And so I'm okay with just saying, sure, man, whatever, man, put the pinky in the air, right? <laughs> um, if, if, he wants to, if he wants to paint pictures or if he wants to sing, I would be absolutely shocked because his mother and I can't do either. Um, but we want to be able to encourage that. And, and, and I say that and, um, because uh, many of the people I've talked to have been more artistic. And so a guy like myself who, who was an athlete, I'm going to be honest with you, the only man card that I have is that I played sports. I don't fix anything. Um, I'm afraid of animals. You guys know that. If a dog came in here right now, I'm out, right? <laughs> right? Um, so affirm your kids. Affirm your kids, and even though you love them in the Lord and you present the gospel to them, it doesn't mean that they won't have same-sex attractions. Um, when a kid comes to you, um, always be transparent with your kids. We're young, and so we, our kids are young, or you don't have kids yet um, for the most of us. So we can, we can be ahead of the game in this. Um, let sin just be sin, and, 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 um, and let's love them, and let's be open. Be open, have transparent dialogue so that when they're kids, they, they would be able to talk to you. Um, don't be shocked by anyone's confession, whether your kids or your friends. Just love people. I know that sounds really easy, but just love people. Love people. A um, couple things here. One, as a church, I do believe that we need to change. Um, when I say we need to change, is we, need to be, we need to be okay with it. If, if a couple came in here on a Sunday and they were holding hands and they dropped their kids off at the, uh, at the child care, we need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with that. They don't need to be stared at. We don't know where they're at. We don't know that story. Um, Chick-fil-A, I don't know if you've heard of it, has this great training deal. And in their training that they do to their, their employees, they, they, they do this thing called Everyone Has a Story. And it's amazing in the video that they, each person that walks in, they have like a little bubble that comes up and it says something about them. And I'm thinking as Christians, we need to think about that. That when we gather together, we can never assume that everybody in the room believes the same way that we believe. And, and nor can we look and go, oh, wow, wow. Um, because that, that's exactly what they're experiencing from us always. And so that's what we need to change. Um, I look at the way that Jesus lived and, and the way that he uh, interacted with the lepers. And the reason why I picked the lepers is not because I think homosexuality is a disease. I rap sometimes. Um, it's not a disease. However, when you see in the Gospels that they're, they're usually a community to themselves. And yet, when Jesus heals the, the man... Um, um, with leper's disease, he doesn't just say you're healed and snap his finger, but he touches him. And I think that's a good picture of us um, and what we should do and that we should, we should em- embrace and engage and invite and, and befriend um, because there are, there are friends, there are mothers, there are fathers, there are brothers, there are people in our church, there, there are friends, there are community. Um, the Good Samaritan is the big picture. Um, you have a Jew and then you have a, a Gentile and they're not supposed to like each other and Jesus gives the picture the way you're supposed to love, um, love unconditionally. And that means we do need to love all and be open to it. And then lastly, um, provide a loving non-sexual community. And that would be good for most of us because a lot of us are singles anyway. And so the one way that you promote chastity um, in, in your, it's kind of an archaic word, so purity or chastity, is by having a, love, a, a deep, loving, non-sexual community um, that people can engage with one another. So that means you need to be in community because your presence and, um, is important. And then also you need to invite people in your community and constantly be welcoming. That's for all people, but especially I would say talking on this topic is just being included and giving an alternative to, uh, to the rest of the world um, that offers something different. So that's all I have for that. And um, it's not all I have, but that's all I have right now. So let's open it up for some questions. Uh, we have 20 minutes. Dang it, I knew that was going to happen. 
um, we'll, go, we'll go longer. And then, so in response to the Romans passage, what is natural? Wouldn't have Paul thought slavery was natural? Uh, surely today we, don't, we do not find slavery okay. Let, let me talk about slavery first, just real quick here. Um, biblically, slavery. When we think of biblical slavery, in some cases, it was like we think in our American culture. But in, in other cases, it wasn't. Uh, there were some slaves, as you read in Deuteronomy, that were able to earn their freedom and buy their freedom. And many slaves, after having their freedom, would sell themselves back to their owner, meaning I willingly want to be with you. And there was a, there was a signature from that. And so um, I, don't, I still don't think even biblically that, that slavery is a part of God's design. Um, I, I don't think it is. So in response to that passage, was natural, what is natural? Wouldn't Paul have thought that slavery was natural? Um, I don't think that Paul would have thought that slavery was natural. I think Paul would have said, this is what is happening, um, if that makes sense. Um, in the same way that women were treated poorly um, during biblical times. I don't think they would have said, oh, this is just natural. I think that that was the way that it was um, in that sense. I, I think I'm trying to answer that as, uh, as clear as I can. Um, so when Paul talks about natural and sex, he's talking about the way God created it to be. And he's talking particularly here in uh, sexuality when it says natural. What is the biblical standpoint on homosexual marriage and should we as Christians support others' freedom to marry? Oh, this is an easy question. Um, <laughs> Non-political or anything like that. Uh, okay, here's, here, I'm going to give you my opinion. This is Ricardo speaking, so not Redemption Church. This is me speaking. Here's, here's the standpoint. God has defined marriage. We saw that. Marriage in itself, in God's eyes, is a man and a woman um, committed in relationship, committed financially, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and so forth. That's marriage. When it comes to homosexual marriage, I would say if homosexuals are married and they can go to a state and get married, they're, they're married because the state said it. I still would not look at that and go, oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's exactly what, what, what God wants. And at the same time, I wouldn't look at it and condemn it. Now, I think there's two separate issues here for me. There's the issue of redefining marriage, which I don't think we can do because God has already, redefi- has already defined it. We can't redefine what God has clearly defined. And then there's the issue of rights and um, freedom and protection and benefits that come with, with marriage as American, not biblical things, but as American. There are certain things. I will get a, a certain tax break back that I'm excited about because I'm married. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. So if two people who are, uh, hom- again, this is me speaking, two people who are uh, homosexuals who are living with each other and they want rights as humans, as humans, then they should have rights as humans. If there's rights within this country that are given to people, then I think they, just should, they should be free to be able to... to um, to pursue those rights. Now, redefining marriage? No, I think the Bible is very clear. That's, that's not a biblical marriage. That is not what God intends for marriage to be. Can they live with each other, love each other? Um, can they, can they uh, be uh, productive in society? Absolutely. Are they second-class citizens? Absolutely not. Um, but the Bible does define marriage um, in one way, and we don't get a chance to redefine it. Okay, do you think homosexuality is a learned behavior or gene-related? I'm glad you said, do you think, because I don't know if you guys know this or not. I'm just a pastor. I'm not a scientist. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, after 50 years of research, um, they have not found what is so-called the gay gene, um, whether they've looked at twins or whatnot. And so as of right now, I would, because I don't want to discredit science at all. I think Christians should learn not to do that, but 
Um, I don't think there's a gay gene. However, I do think part of it is learned. I do think part of it is that some people are more uh, susceptible to being, um, to having same-sex attra- attractions. In the same way that they, they prove that some people are more likely to be more angry than other people, or um, some people are more likely to, to be more promiscuous. So yeah, in that sense, I, w- I would say that I don't think that you're born with it. Um, I don't think you're born as a gene. However, I do think there's certain, here's a, best, a good example. Um, Maybe it's not a good example, but here's an example. Is you take Shaquille O'Neal. I don't know if you guys know who Shaquille O'Neal. He's a, he's a basketball player. He used to be a basketball player. If Shaquille O'Neal was born in, in Madagascar somewhere where maybe there's not basketball, but he's 7'3", and he's 200 or 340 pounds, and he's athletic. If he's never given a basketball and he's never given a court, we never know who Shaquille O'Neal is. But Shaquille O'Neal being born in San Antonio and goes to LSU and is taught how to play basketball, he becomes an NBA star. Um, nothing really changed, but he had different opportunities when he was exposed. His, his makeup, his personality, and who he is now, given a certain environment, led him to be a superstar. All right? So when it comes to, to, I think, with homosexuality, I do think that some people are more susceptible. I really do. Um, I don't know who those people are. What you do is when you talk to people and you read research on it, it's multi-causal. You can't say it's this. Oh, it's if you were molested. Oh, if your dad left you. Oh, it's multi-causal. You just can't say it's this reason. There are some people who had great parents who were molested who said, you know what? From the time I was three, I was attracted to the same sex. I think I was born with it. And I say, I, I get that. I get that. I just, I just haven't seen the research on it yet. Now, if science came out tomorrow and said we proved it, I'd go, okay. They proved it. That people are born gay. And I don't think that still would change my understanding of what the Bible says. Uh, however, it would shed light on some things. For me, with my brother, honestly, I knew my brother was gay as, as long as I can, as, long, as far as I knew gay. Like, I just knew. Um, and and um, there were certain things, and I don't know if I ever was taught what homosexuality was, but I just knew. And, I, and part of it was, as a boy, give me some slack on here, as a boy, I felt like he acted like a girl. Um, what I would say now is there was a lot of men who were just... Um, that just walk a certain way and stand a certain way, and they're masculine. And I don't care what any of you guys say. I think that we, again, we do a disservice to that. Go, oh, because he puts his hand on his hip like this, uh, that means he's, no, he, he, he puts his hand on his hip like that. You know what I mean? That, that, that's, that's what he does. Or that's what she does. How should a Christian fight against injustice placed on LGBT community while still holding biblical truths? I think doing what we're doing now. All this is doing is unearthing conversations. Um, I do think it's, it's learning, okay? It's the same thing with, with race and culture. Immerse yourself, learn. Fi- learn, read, ask questions, be the idiot. Be the, I've learned being an idiot is so important to just going, hey, I'm an idiot, can you tell me? Help me see, what do you know about me? What, help me, learn. And, and I, I think part of that is learning. And then, and then just standing up for people. You know, standing up for people who are just ridiculed, be, don't, don't, don't go evangelize in the sense of hardcore in people's face. Don't ever say the word gay. How could you dare? Don't, don't do that either. Um, but just, just be an advocate. That's the best way. Be an advocate. Jesus is an advocate for us. And the same way that Jesus stands in the gap for us and points us to the Father in the midst of this world, that we need to stand in the gap um, for the LGBT community and point to, point to the Father, point to Jesus, and at the same time loving him. I think you can do that without at all bending your, your convictions. I have very, very, I have very, what we would call conservative biblical convictions, and yet none of my gay friends go, oh, you know what? I can't stand the way that you're, you, you believe. As long as you're honest about what you believe um, and never, never shy away from the truth, I think you're, you'll, you'll be just fine. Um, and you find out what those injustices are. Yeah. 
Do you think that someone who is partaking in a committed homosexual relationship is and can be a believer? Let me, let me ask this question. Do I think somebody who's partaking in heterosexual um, sexual relationships that are not in marriage, can they be a believer? Yes. Do I think they're living in sin? Yes. Do I think they need to repent? Yes. Do I think Jesus loves it when people repent? Absolutely. So the answer to that question, yes. And here's what I would tell you too. I think there will be people who will continue to struggle and we just gotta be okay with that. We gotta be okay when someone comes to us and say, hey, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm gonna, li- oh man, you know what? I slept with my boyfriend last night and I'm a man. And we need to be, all right, same way we would do with the heterosexual couple. We don't need to beat them up. They're confessing sin to us. We walk alongside them. We have accountability. We love them and we shepherd them. If they do it again, guess what we do? We love them and we shepherd them. We are not the holders of, um, of, uh, of condemnation because in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Therefore, we present grace to them and pray that God's love will continue by the Spirit uh, to that was, they would see that sin does not have dominion over them. And the more that we look in the face of Jesus, as with any other sin, the more and more we are conformed to the image um, and the patterns of Jesus Christ. And so to answer this question, yes, I just think you can never look at someone's behavior and, and say if they're a Christian or not, or, or not. But you can and should call the, the professing believer to repentance in Jesus. How do I respond to people who say that homosexuality is only portrayed as sinful in the Bible because it was culturally taboo at the time? What I w- Perfect. I would say to, to that it wasn't culturally taboo um, because you see from Genesis um, that they're mentioning homosexuality and then you, you hear thousands of years after that, you hear Paul writing and they're still mentioning homosexuality and it wasn't a cultural thing. I think it just is, is again, another part of sin. And so... You could say, oh, it's just culturally taboo at the time. It's not anymore. Right? And I would say it kind of is culturally taboo still um, because it's getting, I would say, people are more accepted now than they have been in different times in our country. But I would just say the Bible is still clear and God's word doesn't change because of culture. Um, his word in itself, it, it never fails. God doesn't change. He didn't add a new verse. So what we have is what it is. Now, I would say, yeah, like any other sin, it's portrayed as, as, as sinful. And I would, what I would do is turn it on yourself. Just be honest. And not in a trite way, oh, I'm a sinner. No, tell them what you struggle with. Tell them, this is what I struggle with. And guess what? In the Bible, it's portrayed as sinful. And it's not a cultural thing. It's a sin thing. And I, I struggle with it. I think that's all the, that's not all the questions. Perfect. Does Jesus explicitly talk about homosexuality? No. Jesus does not explicitly mention homosexuality. What Jesus does mention is sexual uh, immorality. Um, and so with that, the word pornania is a junk drawer term that covers all sexual morality. And so the argument from there is, hey, but listen, like, Jesus doesn't even talk about homosexuality. So if Jesus doesn't talk about homosexuality, how, how could it be that big of a deal? Now, this, this, this arrogant, sexist, homophobic Paul, he talks about homosexuality. And what I, what I would say is, okay, well, let's think about context. One, Jesus was primarily speaking to Jewish people. And because he was speaking to primary Jewish people, what, what, what they already knew is they knew the law. They knew what Deuteronomy said. They knew what Leviticus said. They knew all these things. So what Jesus did to them was not give them more laws. He pointed to the heart of the issue. He says, oh, oh, okay, yeah, adultery. That's right. You're not supposed to commit adultery and you're not cheating on your wife. 
But what if you have lust for another woman or another man? Oh, he goes to the heart after. So that's why I would say Jesus didn't mention it. However, I think he covered it. So explicitly did not mention the word homosexuality, um, but he did cover it in sexual morality as sin. And sexual immorality is a or term, the Greek word there, pornonia, which means any form of sex outside of a biblical covenant relationship between a man and a woman. And so when Paul talks about it, Paul t- is in more of a, a, a non-Jewish setting. And so now he does begin to talk about it because he's in cultures where they were never told that that was wrong. They were never said that that was, that was sinful. They never, they never they didn't know God's law. And so now Paul goes, okay, now that you guys are becoming Christians, let me let you know this, okay? This is, this is how life is supposed to go. This is the way that, that um, the flourishing of society goes. This is God's intended way. And, and, and you, in light of the gospel and response to Jesus, need to begin to reorient your life around Jesus and live in the way that God has. Um, don't live this way in order to gain his love, but because you've already received his love, the way that you will love him, as Jesus says, is that you will obey my commandments. You want to just go ahead and yell the next one yeah, we're, we're having some difficulties with the yeah. computer. Well, so if, if you want to, because we have a little bit of time, um, if you want to roam the mic, we could... Uh, well, no, we have tons of questions. I just, okay. It's not going up on the screens. I can read them to you. Oh, okay. Does that work? Yeah, go ahead, read them to me. Oh, oh please okay. read them F- to me, Vince. F- How about this one? Um, how can the church better respond to the LGBT community um, in specifics of uh, having close friends and so probably your relationship with your brother? Uh, what's yeah. just some practical steps? Apologize. Take Christianity as a whole. We've done some stupid things. And don't apologize in a, in a weird way. Um, let me go back and talk about race here real quick. One of the things that, that black people, and I'm speaking... Is, is when wife will go, oh, I'm so sorry, what happened? And, it, and it's just kind of like, nothing happened to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was never a slave or anything like that. So when you apologize, you could say in a sensitive way or at least a way that you're aware, um, hey, I know that as Christianity, this is not an issue that we've done well in, and I just want to learn. And I want to know. Um, so I don't want to use you, I don't, but if you could just help me learn. Like, I, I'm ignorant. Um, please help me learn. That's one. The other way is become friends outside of just that conversation about sexual orientation. Um, so what, what I've learned is because um, some of my friends are in the art community and I'm not, I'm not really into the art community, but I'm becoming it and I want to learn more. It's awesome. Now we just can talk about art. Um, they can talk about art. And then I, and I can learn. And if we could talk about something else. And then, and then I tell them about how football is art. And how in itself, it's, it's performance, performing arts. Hate all you want. I'm just telling you. It's hard. But uh, yeah, so apologize, become friends, and that, grow from there. Just become friends. Um, that, that's the best way I would say. Just legitimate friends. Invite, <laughs> invite them to your church. Invite them to your community without telling your community. But let them know, hey, they may respond all weird and stuff, but it's, it's let your friends know who are, um, who are gay. Like, hey, they may respond weird, but uh, this is good for us. Um, I, I, again, I, we need to just get better and be okay with them coming into worship with us. Um, we just can tell because usually they're, they're affectionate, but there's alcoholics and there's people who are sleeping with each other and outside of a, a committed relationship. We just can't tell. And so we don't look and go, Ooh, I can tell by the way they're dressed. You know what? Mm, they're greedy. Right. And you, <laughs> so we, we, 
We love them. Another thing here, don't use this language. Um, love the, the, the sinner, hate the sin. Don't use that. That sounds good, but all you can hear in there is hate. Just don't use it. Just don't use it. Oh, what do you think is one of the... Oh, if homosexuality isn't a choice, does that mean that God designed us to be that way or feel those those feelings? No. Um, One, I appreciate that. If it isn't a choice, yeah. Uh, God designed us, and yet, we said before, we're tainted by sin. Um, God did not design and say, this is, what, this is what I made you to do. And yet, in God's sovereignty, he causes or actively allows all things, believe it or not, for our good and his glory. And that just sounds, are you kidding me? Like, good? What good can come out of this? And I would say plenty when you submit yourself to Jesus. Plenty. There's, there's not a person in this room who has not submitted themselves to Jesus, no matter what their lifestyle was, that doesn't go, oh yeah, I can see something that God has allowed in my life, and this is, this is how it's been worked out for the good. Um, some of those things, we may not even understand this side of, of heaven. Um, so what I would say to that is, is because God knows your original design, you can trust that God will get you to a position that you want to be in. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that, that you pray a prayer if, and, and all of a sudden your sexuality uh, will change. Some people that I've talked to, God's changed it like that. Man, I'm not attracted to the same sex. And uh, one of my good friends who moved away, she just said, I desire so much to be attracted to a man, and I just can't be. And it's been years and years and years, and, and I, I, I'm not. And that's a struggle that I have to live with. And that is what... On a, on a personal side, that, that really gets me because I love my wife and I love going home to my wife and I love the friendship that we have and to think, and I'm attracted to my wife. She's beautiful and, and internally, um, her inner beauty and her and external beauty and I, and I think about people who are not attracted to the same sex and who, who uh, love Jesus and for, for a lot of their life, um, if, if God doesn't continue to work there, that they, they, will, they won't be able to experience that. And yet, even in that, it's something that I admire because they love Jesus that much. They love Jesus that much to say, hey, this is not what God has for me. Um, and I can appreciate that part, but it, it's still something that's just hard. It seems as though Christians, men, Christians, men especially, often enjoy making homosexual jokes. Any idea why this is? How can Christians subvert this trend? Uh, I'm guilty. Um, it's a cultural thing. You do. You, you make jokes. Um, it's something on TV. It's funny. Um, part, part of it's funny in the sense because there's this show called Modern Family. I know you guys never watched it. Um, <laughs> and and uh, they, sometimes the media portrays it as like it's funny. And yet... Um, we make, we make jokes about it, and how to change it is just be sensitive to it, be aware of it, and, and try, try, to, um, try not to. Try not to say, hey, that's gay, or uh, hey, you know, whatever it may be. I don't need to use the language, but um, you just be, again, um, think of it like this way. Again, I keep going to the race. You wouldn't use the N-word, most of you. You wouldn't usually in the N-word unless you're singing your rap songs in your car, but uh, uh, <laughs> is... Uh, is you'd, you, you would be aware of it, and you say, I'm not going to use this, and, um, and I think that that's a way that you could, you could, you could not do it. 
It's hard for me to reconcile the knowledge that homosexuality is a sin, but also not a choice. How do I deal with that practically with my gay friends? Same here. Same here. When we're in a relationship with anybody, there's always pushback and there's tension. And when we have relationship with God, there's pushback and tension. Okay, this is a sin, and yet it's not a choice. I don't get this. And then I go, okay, no, I do get that. As a heterosexual, um, there are things that I did not choose in my life. There are attractions, there are sins that I have that I did not choose, and yet it's still sin. Um, And what I would say to that is, again, it comes down to we all have those things. It's just that person particularly struggles with it in a relational sense. But we all have things of which we have um, in us that are sinful, that, that our proclivities go in different ways. This one potentially, or um, essentially just has to go towards homosexuality. So the way I would say how to deal practically with your gay friends, again, is turn it on yourself and just say we're sinners by nature and by choice. You're right. This is the position that we're in. It is that bad. That's why we need a savior. Yeah, go ahead. How do we explain homosexuality as a sin on par with swindling, hatred, etc., given that it has no victims? Hmm. Um, and victims, I'm, I'm thinking that the question means victims like people who swindle um, and people who are, uh, uh, show hatred that people don't have hate crimes against them. Um, I would say this. Sin in itself is equal. Consequences are different. They're different. Um, real quick before I answer this. It's 8.01. Actually, I'm going to give you parents at least four more minutes. But um, the consequences of particular sins are different. And um, so if I lie about something and I I sin and there's not a huge fallout on that, that's one thing. But if if uh, if someone has sex with somebody and that's not their wife and that woman gets pregnant and they repent, there's consequences. There's a baby, there's, there's all types of things. So there's different consequences. So when you look at homosexuality, because of the nature of the relationship um, and because homosexuality, unlike most other sins, becomes an identity, it is treated different. Um, we treat it differently. But in God's eyes, it is. It's just sin. And I think what we can do as Christians is continue to say it's just sin. And we don't normalize homosexuality, but we realize that sinning is normal. And therefore, we begin to, to treat it in that way. What do you say to a homosexual friend who believes that God has called them this, to this lifestyle to re, has called them to this lifestyle to reach other homosexuals? Um, I would say there's one time in Scripture where I felt I looked at God call a man to do something for the sake of his mission, and it was in the book of Hosea where God calls Hosea to marry, give me some slack, a hood rat, in order that, um, in order, it's true. I'm just trying to be contextual. Um, <laughs> a prostitute, um, and that would cheat on him, and cheat on him, and cheat on him to be a pitcher to the nation. Outside of that, um, outside of God, and by the way, Hosea was a prophet, um, we, we, we don't see that. So what I would say is God does not call us to sin in order to reach sinners. He never calls us to contradict him in order to reach sinners. Now, on the flip side of that, now, does God use all types of sinful things we do to draw people to himself? Yes. That's why I believe in the sovereignty of God. God uses crazy things and crazy people and crazy situations to draw people to himself. Um, so I would say, I would say um, let's talk more about what the Bible says, and, um, and see if you can help them see the gospel in that, and be patient. Be patient. 
um, sanctification, discipleship, process. It's a process. Let's answer a few more. I recently came out, and I've never been able to love people more. Um, it's what I have prayed for for years. What do you think about this? Well, one, I'm glad that you came out in the sense of that, you, that you're honest about where you're at. Um, and as for loving people more, I think a part of that is that you're, because when you expose anything, there's a sense of freedom. There is a sense of freedom, and so now you're probably in a position that you, could, that you can love people better than what you could before when you felt like you were hiding. Um, now, I prayed for um, what I prayed for, for. It's what I prayed for for years. What do I think about that? Um, I think I would want you to email me and let's meet and talk because I think that just from here, I couldn't, I can't really, I can't really, I don't know, I need to know more. I want to ask questions of what does it mean to come out and what do you mean, what did you pray for, did you pray for to be able to come out and to love people more? And if that would say like, wow, God answered your prayer, but I think there's more, I think there's more. And I, and I would want to point you to, to, to something a little bit more um, if you were willing to. Um, and if not, if, you're, if that's where you want to be and that's your conscious decision, then that's your conscious decision. And I would still ask you to come here weekly and be with us and, um, and, um, and talk openly with us and be in community with us and help us understand how we can love you and how you can love us. What advice would you give a Christian that can't overcome their homosexual desires? First, I, I want to have some sympathy with, sympathy with that because as a male and you guys as females that are heterosexual, there's a lot of desires that we feel like we can't overcome. And then um, walk you through the gospel and point you to uh, a big God who says that sin will not have dominion over you. And so if God's called you to something, he will give you his spirit to be able to do it. Will you fail? Yes. Will it be hard? Yes. But is he a powerful God? Here's what it comes down. Do we believe that the gospel is the power of God? And do we believe that it's good news? Yes. If that's the case, then I would say you may feel that way in your flesh, and yet God has something better. You, you, you can. I'm not going to say that um, God will get you to the point where you will have um, opposite sex attractions, but your desires will always be there. But what you want is for your affections for Jesus to be raised higher than your affections for sin. Um, parents, if you guys can go get your kids. Sorry. You can bring them back in here. Um, we're we're going to do this for at least 10 more minutes, and if you guys feel, feel like you have to leave, that's fine. Um, what adv- um, in the Bible, it says that as Christians, we should not interact with people who claim to be Christians yet live as, live as unchristian life, lifestyle. Um, how does it address this? Well, I think in the Bible, we talk about, we look at Matthew 18, it becomes church restoration process where you have people who are professing to be Christians and who openly do not repent. We have to be careful on that. Um, Repent meaning you go to someone with a sin that professes a Christian, you say, um, this is a sin, and they go, I don't care, I'm going to still do it. And then you come with again with another, with another friend or one or two people that says, and you go, this is a sin, they say, I don't care. Well, that's a little bit different than someone who just keeps failing in something and repenting, um, who keeps failing in the same sin and then repenting. Um, there's a difference between a struggler and someone who's laid down. Um, someone who's laid down and tapped out, that's different. And so how would I address this is, I would just be honest with the person and see, one, do they acknowledge it as sin? Um, another thing is, is coming alongside them with another friend. 
Um, and if, again, um, but when it comes not to interact with them, I think that's a little different. It doesn't mean that you completely lose touch with them. It doesn't mean that you're not friends with them, but you begin to bring about the consequences of what happens when you continue in sin as a Christian is that there's a sense of a separation with the body, that you don't receive the benefits of being in community with people um, because you are willingly choosing not to honor God. Um, that's not, again, that's not the same thing as failing again and again and again and again, because if that were the case, none of us would have any friends. Since homosexuality is a sin, can homosexuals still be Christians and accept God if they ask him for forgiveness? If sanctuary is a sin, can homosexuals? Yes. Let me read that again. Since sanctuary is a sin, can homosexuals still be Christians and accept God if they ask him for forgiveness? Yes. That, do it. If you're here and you're, and you're, and you're wondering... <laughs> And you're wondering, I mean, on all honesty, yes, ask God to forgive you. Now, here's what I would say. It's a lordship thing, meaning if you ask him for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Um, but Jesus will go, if you love me, so meaning if you really understood my forgiveness, you will obey my commandments. And so there's, there's, there's the onus on you. He will forgive you. The question will, will you live in light of his forgiveness? Would you live in response of his love, um, submitting yourself to the word of God, to the people of God, and to the spirit of God? And that's on you. Uh, two more. How do you think, what do you think is one thing that the church should change in their approach and actions towards this topic? Um, since, uh, again, be aware. Be aware that, that um, everyone's not straight. Um, be aware that when you're in a group of people, someone may struggle at least a little bit with the same-sex attraction. I think the numbers out there says that, you know, 10% of people, and then some stats would say that that's wrong, and it's usually 2 to 3%. Regardless of that, um, in the same way that what we do as, as, um, as preachers, um, Justin and myself, what we would always say is we always preach um, with an understanding that there's Christians and non-Christians in the audience, um, and always talk in that language so that we're not offensive, but yet we're clear and we're honest. I think the same way is just begin to talk as if there is someone who struggles with their sexual orientation in the room. I think that's one way that you can begin to practice as yourself. And I think as a church as a whole that we, we, just, we, we are honest and yet loving. Honest and yet loving. And so the way I, I think I wrote that down is being evan evangelist yet missional. Evangelist is we want to point people to Jesus, point people to Jesus. And missional meaning that there, there's, we want to engage. We just don't want to say, become Christians and then get away. We want to say, hey, this is what it's like to live as a Christian. What is it like for you? What do, what do you know about God? Um, um, what's, your, what's your community like? How can I enter in? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus entered in um, in order to love us. And we see the picture of how we're supposed to love on the cross. When Jesus lays down his life and sacrifices for those who didn't believe and those who hated him, his enemies. Not to say that homosexuals are enemies, but that's a picture as Christians, how we're supposed to live. We should be the, one, we should be the ones taking the ridicule, not be the ones giving it. And so that's the posture that we need to have as a church. One last one. So on my Facebook page the other day, I, I, I put a, a status out that um, I can't get enough of listen, listening to, uh, to Silver Wars Band. And I don't know if you guys know who the Silver Wars Band is, but it, it's really anointed. And um, they're, they're, it, it's a guy and a girl, and, and uh, in my language, I would say they can blow. That means they can sing. They're, they're really good, and I like it. Well, I had some haters, James Dorman, who's here, who... Um, <laughs> Some, some haters who put, oh, oh, man, I'll give you some Tom's shoes. And I'm like, if there was a, such a thing as a ghetto hipster, I would put my picture up there and be like, what? Right? Uh, We're done. Uh, Ricardo.
if you would, if you could speak to uh, what, what could practically be a next step here, um, like tonight, and is there an email, a, a person to contact, someone to talk to, do we come on Sunday? What's just the next step in regards to kind of continuing down this conversation with Redemption Tempe? Okay. If you are um, here and you're a Christian and you are, if you're here, you are here. Um, <laughs> You're Christian and you don't struggle with your sexual orientation, but you want to have questions and you want to know how to uh, disciple uh, uh, um, and engage in that. What I would do is contact Vince Garvey at Vince Garvey uh, at RedemptionAZ.com. Seriously, and uh, what we'll do is compile a list of names, and what I'll do is probably get you guys all in a room, and we'll do this more um, in a dialogue fashion. If you're here and you, 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 you want to confess, you want to know more on how you can walk in light of uh, your own struggles, what I would say is contact one of the pastors here. Contact one of us. Um, if you just have questions personally um, and, and you want to talk to someone on an individual level, again, contact one of us. If you're not on the city, get on the city. That's the best way you can find us. The city, essentially, it's not a social network, but it's our internal ways of communication. Um, you can do that on a Sunday, um, or you could take, I don't know if there, if there are information cards. In the back of the seat, there's information cards. Um, dang it, there's no boxes here. Go to the info table, fill out an information card, but I get it. If it's really personal, you're not going to want to do it. And come on Sunday and fill out the information card, and there'll be boxes, the offering boxes. You can drop them in there, and then uh, one of us will get back to you. So those are some steps. But if you just want to go, hey, I want to continue this conversation, I'd love to do it. If there's enough people who say yes, we'll get you guys here on a Wednesday night, and then we'll be able to talk more about it. And um, hopefully praying that we would be able to have a, a, a ministry for uh, essentially that that, that particular deal. And there's tons of resources out there. I will be writing a blog. Uh, Jason Ray will be ghostwriting a blog for me that will come out <laughs> soon. So let me pray for you guys and we'll get out of here. Thank you for your time and uh, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Uh, we don't have the answers, but we thank you that Jesus is the truth. Um, God, I, I pray that you would help us as a church be willing and able and ready um, to welcome all types of people of ethnicities, backgrounds, struggles, and that we would do so in a way, Lord, that honors you, Lord. Don't, don't ever let us compromise the truth. And Lord, at the same time, Father, help us to, to never compromise grace. We are sinners saved by grace, Lord. It's unmerited. We did nothing. We were not born the way, uh, we weren't born to be good people. We were ultimately born again in Christ. So Lord, let that humble us. God, I pray for those who are on different steps in the journey, Father God, and I pray that they, they would continue to ask questions and we would be able to answer that what we can answer and that we can't, that we'd say we don't know and trust your spirit to move and act. We thank you for this city and I pray for those in this city who struggle with their sexuality, who have been offended. offended. I pray for the many um, at, at, at ASU um, and Lord, that you would bring healing, you'd bring restoration, you'd bring the gospel. We thank you that we can be a church not only in this city, but for this city. In Jesus' name, amen.